0: I was hungry for God. I was hungry. Miss Sarah, I was hungry for a move of the Holy Spirit like I've never been hungry in my life. And I remember he called me up. And when he did, the power of God hit me. And uh, I started jumping. You know, it was just me up there. It wasn't that kind of atmosphere. He just asked me to come up. He was going to lay hands on me. And I started jumping. And there was two ushers behind me. I don't ever remember them touching me. But as I was jumping, somewhere in the middle of one of those jumps, I flew backwards. The, they were uh, replacing the carpet in the church. And we had the old wooden pews at that time. I clonked my head on the back of a pew. And then I bounced my head on the cement. I never remember. Any of it? Somebody said, "You, because you hit your head so hard." No, had nothing to do with that. I would—I'd been touched by the hand of God, and uh, I hit the ground. I'd never spoken tongues before, but the power of God hit me, and it felt like an angel had my tongue and was just doing this with it. You know. And uh, I began to speak in a heavenly language from that day till now. I was 19 years old. I've never been the same. And uh, our church went into four weeks of revival during that time. There were miracles, healings, signs, and wonders that took place during that season. That's the uh, the minister gave my wife a prophetic word, which I didn't even know her at that time, and uh, I had just started coming to the church during the revival. And he told my wife that that uh, there was somebody in the building that was getting ready to make it impact on her life. In fact, that her husband had just started coming to the church and didn't even know that I didn't know anything about me, didn't know anything about her, but uh, God was uh, supernaturally connecting us to the right people at the right time. But I say that to say, man, I'm hungry for revival. I'm hungry for a move of the spirit. I think that's what's knitted my heart with yours, pastor, because for years, anything that was connected to revival, I want to be a part of. Anything that's connected to revival. And when I found out uh, uh, Pastor Cooley was going to be here this weekend, I knew I had to come. Because if I could just be in the atmosphere... I missed out on the Brownsville revival. I was working at my local church at that time. And it started just shortly after I had gotten saved. But there wasn't a lot of talk about it in our community and the people that that I knew in church. I really... I got introduced to that revival through the videos and the things that are online now. So uh, that revival is alive now inside of me as it was then when people were going to it. And I believe it still has that same power that same realm of influence there's not a moment that I don't go and I listen to it or I talk about it or I think about it that I don't feel the presence of God moving on my life so I said all of that to say is I believe in revival and I feel such a resonating spirit of revival here tonight I feel the wind of the Holy Ghost when we were worshiping earlier I, saw like I felt a breeze of God just blowing through the church we were, um, it was the 12-12-12 service Or no, I'm sorry, it was a 10-10-10 service, 2010. October 10th, 2010. I preached a message called Remember Me. Um, God spoke this to my heart, and uh, I preached this message on this special night. It was a Sunday night, and at the end of that service, we were in a season of visitation at our church. All of a sudden, during the altar time, the altar was just full of people, and the wind of the Holy Spirit just began to move. I mean, you could physically feel it blowing. And all of a sudden, people began to fall out under the power of the Holy Ghost. Just one by one, they were just falling. And there was a lady I now, uh, I, I've, uh, um, she's one of my prayer warriors. I've known her for years. She had a tumor in her stomach. It was the size of, oh, I don't know, a, a couple softballs side by side. And the, she'd been to the doctor, and she had, they'd started uh, looking at it. They weren't treating her, but they were trying to, it, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't cancerous. It was just a mass in her body. And we had been praying for and believing with her for God to heal her. And all of a sudden, when that wind of the Holy Spirit began to move, she fell out. She laid there about five minutes. Nobody touched him, Pastor. I mean, you know how it is. Nobody was touching him. God was touching him. She laid there, and all of a sudden, after about five minutes, she jumped up and ran out. Now, um, my first thought was, oh, Lord, did I say something wrong? You know, because I, you know, sometimes as a pastor, you think, Lord, what did I say or do now, you know, and so uh, she comes back in, and she gets her daughter, and they both run out, and then she, they come in, and they get somebody else, and I'm like, all right, this got to stop, you know, y'all got to quit running it out, and the presence of God is here,
1: you know, and I am
0: this close, I am, if, if one more person runs out, we're talking about it, okay, and they come in, and she jumps. healed she stood and testified that night and said while i laid there on the floor i felt a hand go in my chest and take that mass out she got up and she took two people back with her to examine the spot where that that tumor was and it was completely gone man god is so awesome i felt that tangible presence of god tonight So I believe that there's just a river running through here tonight. I believe that God's presence is going to touch touch you and heal you and save you and deliver you and set you free. Uh, Last night I heard the Lord say concerning tonight that he was going to release rivers of joy tonight. So if you need some joy, you're going to get joy. If you don't need any joy, you're going to get it anyway. (laughs) So uh, uh, just real quick, uh, I'm just so honored to be here, Pastor. I love you and your precious wife so much. You guys are such a blessing to the kingdom of God. This church is such a refreshing refreshing place. It's uh, so much like a well. And I thank you for letting me come and drink this weekend and let me participate. Amen. Give these precious pastors a good God bless you. Amen. I don't I don't take it lightly to be in a pulpit. But to be in a pulpit where the presence of God is honored and respected. I've gone to churches and listen, I go wherever the Holy Spirit leads me to. I mean, we have gone to, you name it, we have preached in garages. We have preached in living rooms. We have preached in nursing homes. we preached in rented rooms, hotels, you name it. We've done it all. As long as the Holy Spirit's there, I don't care, okay? And as long as it's God's plan for me and if he opens up the door for me, I, I go and do what he's called me to do. But uh, like Pastor said earlier, not every place is like that. Some places you go and you think, Lord, if I could just get home. <laughs> you know, if I could just get through this service. And, and uh, you know, you always, I believe we carry revival. So it's our job to bring revival, but sometimes people don't want it. They have no desire for it at all. So to be at a place tonight in a house that reverences the presence of God and revival is just awesome. So I want to read you a few verses of Scripture, my favorite time of the day. We get up every morning and we spend time in prayer. But, I, but later in the morning, after things have settled down around my house, I go for a prayer walk. And I, and I walk you know, for a little over an hour every morning, and, and I just spend time. I've already spent time praying, and I spend time every day in the Word, but this is a, specifically a time of prayer and devotion. And I talk to the Lord, and He talks to me, and I was listening to the Word of God the other day, and I was listening to Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah, and I always stop and take notes when the Lord speaks to me. And he brought me to Nehemiah 13. And I want to read this to you. And I, I'd like to preach just for a little bit. And then I'd like to lay hands on everybody and just stir some things up tonight, if that's okay. And uh, uh, so uh, Nehemiah 13:23. about the same time, I realized that some of the men of Judah had married women from Ashdod, Amnon, and Moab. Furthermore, their children, had, uh, children spoke the language of Ashdod. Or of some of the people... Could not speak the language of the Jews. Verse 25. So I confronted them and called down curses from heaven. I beat them and pulled out their hair. And I made them swear by the name of God that they would not let their children intermarry with the pagan people of the land. Lord, I thank you for this word. I ask that it challenge us, change us, cause us to be all you're called to be. In your name we pray. Amen. Preacher, what are you preaching about tonight? You know, where are we going with this? Because we know, man, I love Nehemiah. I have studied the prophets throughout the Bible. I love Nehemiah. I love the liberty he got from the world to go and build the church and build the wall. Amen. I love the liberty, the heart he had to restore the house of God. Amen. Restore the kingdom of God. I love his heart. And I began to read this. And after all the work was all the labor that had taken place, all the, the work, all the blood, sweat, and tears that had been spent. I looked up here earlier and I saw this bottle of anointing oil. And uh, I, I'm, not sure what's, I'm not sure what's in here. That smells beautiful. Is this like frankincense? and And it smells beautiful. And um, normally if you go to a church, I knew it would be different. um, Different here because you're a different kind of people. (laughs) But normally you're going to have a bottle of olive oil sitting up there. Something you picked up at the dollar store. You know, it's okay. I'm not judging that. But if I were to come to you tonight and I was to ask you, what does olive oil cost? Does anybody have any idea what a little bottle of olive oil costs? You know, anybody have any idea at all? Yeah, 3 or $4, just depends. Now, if you want that extra virgin olive oil, that first press, is going to be a little more costly, right? You might pay how much for a bottle like that? Does anybody know? $10 might be right, something like that. So, this is a trick question because I want you to know you're wrong. You're wrong. That's not what it costs. That's what you paid for it. That's not what it costs. If you want to know what it costs, you have to go to the olive. Because in order for that olive oil to be set in that little bottle on the shelf, somebody gave up everything. So tonight if we were to come here and we would say, what does this cost? And I looked at this room and, and I began to think to myself, you know, I, I love how there's so much in this room that represents the kingdom of God. I look at so many things right down to one of my favorite passages of scriptures that is right here. I actually preached on that passage of scripture when I was here the last time. That's an impacting scripture to me in my life. So many things. And, of course, you might look and you might think, what does it cost? You know, those lights aren't free, right? The uh, the lighting is not free. The electricity is not free. The internet is not free. Uh, to I, I I was feeling how cool it was when I came in here. I felt is that an air conditioner? Is that is that all you have, or do you have? Or is that helping? It's in both. It's helping. And I thought, man, how nice it feels in here, especially in Texas. I saw it was in the nineties today. I was rejoicing because I like the heat. You know, I do. This is a northern boy, and I'm used to. Right now, it just starts breaking sixty five degrees. I'm enjoying the heat, y'all. So, uh... So I'm thinking about what does that cost? And you can tell me what the rent is on this facility and what the utilities are and what it costs to run the equipment and pay everything, but that's not what it costs. That's what you pay for it. Uh, If you want to know what it costs, you got to go to your pastor and the intercessors and those that have sought God diligently and continually keeping a hold of the vision no matter what, no matter how it hurt, no matter what it costs, no matter who walked out, no matter who lied or who talked about you. You held on to the vision no matter what. And if you want to know what it costs, you got to go to the person that gave up everything for it to be here tonight. See, for you to be here tonight, somebody answered a call and said, I'm going to give up anything and everything to do what God has called me to do. If you want to do something for the kingdom, you can't go in and just have to do it. You have to be willing to say, God, I surrender it all to you. And Nehemiah worked and he labored and he fought And he gathered people And they rebuilt the wall of God they, they made it possible for the kingdom of God To be reestablished on the earth And we come in and we build the church And we pray And we build walls up of protection and order And guidelines But somewhere along the way The vision gets lost Just like Pastor said somewhere along the way, we lose the presence of God and we are more interested in numbers and and we are more interested in opportunity than we are the presence of God. But it has always been my prayer. God, no matter what, don't let your presence get away from me. God, no matter what, I can get another car, I can get another house, I can get more opportunities. But God, don't ever take your presence away from me. And Nehemiah's prayer was God's. No matter what, we've got to make sure we follow you and we follow your word no matter what. And he comes in one day and the children of Israel knew better than the behavior that they were participating in. And he realizes they have began to speak not the language of the Jews. Now, I read this from the New Living Translation and it says the language of Judah. Your Bible may say the language of the Jews or the language of the Hebrews. And we know that God has a language but that phrase, the language of, the Jew, of, the, of Judah, got a hold of me. Because I realized God speaks a language that we don't always speak. Coming into 2017, the number one thing God told me was watch your words. Watch what you say. Watch what you're saying. I believe there are, the, the Bible tells us there's power in our words, right? We know power of life and death are in our tongue, right? We know that there is power in our words. I also recognize when you reverence that and you respect that, there becomes an authority in your words. Sometimes we just say too much. We just tell too much. We overshare, right? We need to be a people that rise up and say, I'm going to talk when God tells me to talk. And I'm going to say the things that God wants me to say. And as we make a habit of that, we will find ourselves saying things that came out of the word. We will find, the, find ourselves saying things that came out of heaven unknowingly because our heart has melted with God's heart. And we don't. I want to be so close to God that we don't know where God starts and Biddy Baker ends. I don't care if my words were my original words or his original words. I don't care. I just want it to be so much a part of me that everywhere I go, everything I do, I just slip into God's will and God's presence. I was walking into a hospital here about a year ago. I walked in and when I, well, there was a young man from the church that was up there. I was going to go visit him. And I would walk, walking up to the church, my wife and I, and there was a man standing there and he's smoking a cigarette. He is hooked up to an IV and a heart monitor and all kinds of stuff. And he's got his little gown. He's got his little gown one hand holding the gown in the back. I don't know why they haven't invented invented something yet so that you don't have to do that. You know, don't you think at some point in time somebody would say, maybe there's an easier way. Maybe you really don't need to have your hiney showing while you're at the hospital. You know, then there's somebody who might it might be a millionaire who would come up with an idea like that. I don't know, but obviously nobody's thought of it yet. There he stands smoking a cigarette, hooked up to an IVV machine and a heart monitor, holding the back of his little gown so his uh, fruit of the looms didn't show, and he's standing there smoking a cigarette, and he makes eye contact with me. Pastor Scott, I'm thinking, why? I, I'm serious. I'm just be honest. I, why? Why, why is he looking at me? And he, he stared me down. I'm walking in the building. I walk through the doors. I'm not being rude. I just don't know him. And, I mean, outside of the pulpit, people, you know, say, you're just so bold in the pulpit. Out, outside the pulpit, I'm kind of quiet. I listen a lot. Uh, I try not to overshare. I try to watch my words. Be careful. I, that sounds silly. It's just, that's just me. It's just how I've learned to live. And so um, I'm walking through, and all of a sudden, you know, I hear that little, that little machine rolling behind me. And I thought, I looked at my wife, I said, that man's following me. And she said, Benny, you're being paranoid. I said, no, he is following me. He made eye contact with me, he's following me. I said, what do you think he wants? She said, I don't know. So we get in the elevator, the door shut. I'm, thinking, I'm free, you know. And he sticks his hand in there and he comes walking in. He, you know, he doesn't, you know, we all get in the elevator, we all turn around and look at the door, right? Not, you know, he got in the elevator and he looked right at me. Stood right in front of me. I'm thinking, Lord. Now, because you've got to recognize when you're prophetic, you start attracting demons. You just do, okay? And uh, I mean, it's happened. That's crazy stuff happened. Other stories, other times. And he looks at me, and this is what he says. He said, I called for a preacher, and one wouldn't come. And I said, excuse me? And he said, I called for a preacher, but a preacher would not come. And all of a sudden, my heart starts being flooded by the Holy Spirit. And I said, sir, I said, uh, what do you mean you called for a preacher? And he said, I called for the chaplain, and he called and he told me who else he was calling for. And he says, But nobody would come see me. And I don't understand why. And I said, Well, brother, I said, it Just so happens I'm a preacher. And he started weeping. And he looks at me, and he points at me, and he says, Only God can give a man a new heart. I, don't, I mean, he's so all over the wall, you know, I, I don't understand what's going on with him. And I said, i tell you what, I said, I've got to go see so-and-so. He's on the, I think it was like the fourth floor, I don't know. He said, uh, uh, I said, as soon as I'm done, I was, where are you at? And He says, I'm on the fourth floor. What's your room number? It was just around the corner from where I was going. Mister so Karen, I go in there, I walk down that hall, the room I was going to, completely empty, there's nobody there. And I'm thinking, well, well, I must have another assignment. And so I walked down the hall, and there he is. His name was James. James is sitting on the bed, and he's looking at me as I walk through the door, and he points his finger at me again and says, Only God can give a man a new heart. And I said, James, I said, Let me, let me ask you a question. What kind of heart do you need? Do you need a new heart, or do you need your heart renewed? And he looked at me, and he's, he's weeping. And he says, I'm supposed to go into heart surgery. I was supposed to go in this morning, I told him no, because I could not until I got to an altar. He said I've got to get to an altar they can't touch my heart until God touches my heart because only God can give a man a new heart and he said it over and over and over and he's t- talking in circles and I don't know if he's lost his mind or if he's just scared I I, I don't know at this point but I know that I'm under divine assignment right now my agenda has completely been radically changed by the power of the Holy Ghost and I looked at him I took his hand and I said let me ask you James if you were to die today it would, do you know if you would go to heaven or would you go to hell and he looked at me tears now I mean they're flowing like a river and he says I don't know where I would spend my eternity today and that's why I need God to give me a new heart and then he tells me a story he's had heart problems for years and all of this stuff's going on and he said that he needs Jesus in his life and he's, if he said if I can get to an altar I'll be okay and I said James you don't have to get to an altar we can make this bed right here an altar and we prayed with him and asked God to forgive him of his sins and he wept and he cried and he called on in the name of jesus and he was saved i want my agenda to be so open that wherever i go god can interject himself to the right place at the right time he gave his heart to jesus he called the doctors and he felt like he could go under the knife at that point in time that's where his faith was okay and he said that he was going to go and have the surgery done. But I want you to know he went in with an assurance. If he lived, he was okay. And if he died, he was going to be okay. Because only God could give a man a new heart. I was driving down the road one day and my wife and I, I was walking down the road one day and we were, we were doing some soul winning. We were, we were evangelizing the streets. Who's doing the soul winning? Who's, you guys are doing that? God bless your hearts. That, that's, that's, God has to honor that. He has to honor that in the house. He's got to honor that in the kingdom. He has to honor you for that. And um, we're walking down the road, and there's this lady out in the front yard with two little kids. And we always had little pieces of candy and Bibles and little toys for the kids. And, and uh, I pulled out some stuff, and I, and I said, hey, I said, uh, you know how you and just starting up conversation? and asked her if uh, she knew that God had an, an awesome plan for her life. And she looks at me, and she says, oh, I'm a believer. Now, you know how you know things? I knew she wasn't being honest with me, And I said, really? Where do you go to church? She says, I go to Celebration First Assembly. I said, I know Pastor Doug. He is a good man. He loves Jesus. There's good stuff happening over there. I just pray that that God touches you. And listen, I'll tell you what. I said, what's your name? Her name was Julie. I said, Julie, I said, if that's the case, then God sent me by here today just to let you know that he loved you. I said, can I pray over you and, and the babies? And I gave them some little toys or something, whatever she let me give them, and we prayed over them, and we went about our business, a week later, we are walking just downtown, my wife and I just walking downtown on the sidewalk, and all of a sudden, this big white truck goes flying past us, and somebody lays on the horn, and all of a sudden, they slam on the brakes, they turn the wheel, and you think he's being dramatic, no, this is how it went down, turned that wheel, and went flying into the a driveway there on that main street, and started screaming, Pastor Pastor Benny! And she jumps out of the truck, and she's, do you remember me? And, of course, we're walking towards her. I knew who she was. I walked up to her. I said, Julie, it's so good to see you. I wanted to say, but what's the pain? Didn't you just call? She gets out of the car, and tears are streaming down her face. And she said, I want you to know, preacher, I lied to you. I said, she said, "Yes. Yeah. she says, I had not been to church. I don't even remember the last time I've been in the house of God. And this is what she said. She says, I was just in the house praying, God, if you love me, send somebody across my path that will let me know that you love me and you came along. She said, I want you to know that I cried out to God. I gave my heart back to Jesus. I rededicated my life. And I want you to know I'm going to be in church tomorrow morning. What's your address? Listen, you can't help but get, I want my agenda to be so close, my heart to be so close to God's that I don't know where I stop and where God begins. Y'all have a Famous Dave barbecue around here, y'all know what Famous Dave's is. Famous Dave's is a pretty famous chain up where we are. And um, they got they got, they got got decent food, and we, we were walking in there, and we, there was this lady behind the counter. And I'm walking in, and she's just standing there, and she's got a real smiley face. Her name's Gail, and she's got a little name tag on, Gail. And uh, I'm with, um, with a pastor, and we're standing there, and we're waiting. And I hear the Lord say, you need to go talk to her. I said, Lord, what am I supposed to say to her? He says, you need to make sure you go share the me with her. And I was like, all right, God. And so, the, I mean, the lobby's full of people. And so we go sit down. I can't enjoy my food. I can't eat. And I'm thinking, God, I, I need to talk to her. And so I start making deals with God. Because, I mean, just to be honest, I'm like, God, let it be cleared out. Because I will go in there and I will preach to everybody in that foyer but I don't want to put her in a bad position. I want to reach her. And so, the Bible says that when souls is wise, right? I want to be wise. I don't want to push her away. I want to draw her in. And so I went out there and I stood and the the little lobby area was full of people. I told my pastor friend, I said, if you'll wait outside for me, I'll be with you in just a minute. I said, but i got to talk to this lady. He walks out the door, she walks through, that lobby clears out within a minute. And she stands there and she looks at me and I said, Gail... I says, there's something about you that's just different. I said, God sent me by here today to let you know how much he loved you. He has an awesome plan for your life. Tears start streaming down her face. And uh, I introduced myself. She looked at me and she said, Pastor Vinny, I just moved here from morning. I've not been able to connect with a church. And, and I've really been praying God send me to the right church. So I gave her information, I I gave her a card and and everything about the church, I prayed with her and stood with her, this was a Saturday afternoon, I want you to know she showed up the next day in service. She comes in, she was with us until she moved away about a year before us, she got saved, her granddaughter got saved, her daughter got saved, and we became the godparents of her, her grandbaby. Come on somebody. God, I want you to so intertwine my heart with your heart. God, let let me tap in to your will for me every single day. And as you do that, you'll, you'll never know how God will intertwine your life in such a way where you have an adventure every day. I got my family together and we decided that we were leaving Iowa and going full time into evangelism. I talked to my family and I said, don't you know we are in for the greatest adventure of our lives? I said, this isn't, this is we are an assignment from God, but then we are we are in for a great adventure. We are gonna see so many people healed and saved and delivered and set free, and God's gonna do some awesome things. And I began to think about the language of Judah. And as you begin to speak praise, praise is a language God understands no matter what. No matter what you're going through. I've learned that you can kick and scream and fuss and yell, and God don't even nudge you. But the moment you start praying. Let me, let me talk to you just a moment, just a few minutes. I'm not, I'm not going to preach too much longer. I know we've been here just a little bit, but I want to share with you just a couple things. It says that they spoke the language of Ashdod, Amnod, and Moab. I began to study the language of those people. I began to study the culture. It wasn't so much that they spoke that language. They did not even know the language of the, of the Jews. They had no understanding of what that language was. But they were very familiar. It it amazing how nobody knows who Billy Graham is or Smith Wigglesworth, but they know exactly who Katy Perry is, and that's the church. They did not speak the language of the Jews, but they spoke the language of Ashdod. Ashdod, those, their god was Dagon. Now many of you might know the god Dagon. It was the one that they had brought into the temple, the holy place where God was. And first it fell over, and it fell over again, and then God broke it at its knees. This the God is getting ready to, Ashdod is a name that means bondage. Instead of speaking the language of praise, instead of speaking the language of the people of God that had gone before them, they spoke the language of bondage. In America, we've got a lot of bondage right now within the church. I really don't believe the reason that you'll go overseas and you'll see a lot of, um, I don't know how to say this, but a lot of manifestations in the spirit. It's not that we can't have that in America, but religion has masked it. And we have ourselves convinced that we're okay. We'd guard our hearts against what we watch, what we listen to, what we say, or what we do. But we have got ourselves convinced we are okay. I loved what our Brother Lindell said last night. Uh, the night before last when He was talking about his grandfather didn't allow him to play dice or allow him to play cards in the house because it reminded him of where they've come from. And back in that day we called that being holy, but today we called it being legalistic. Now listen, I'm telling you, I grew up in a Pentecostal holiness background, a Pentecostal holiness church, and there was a lot of legalism. And I understand that, and I I have tried to ward that off because I'm not saved by my works. I'm saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. But I want you to know, when you get saved, there are things you don't want to do anymore. There is stuff you don't want your eyes to see, your ears to hear. There's places where you should not feel comfortable in. There is music that should never cross your ears. Uh, We were... had youth camp a few years ago. A good friend of mine, I wasn't preaching it, but he was. The convicting power of the Holy Ghost came in, and the kids ran out, and they're not allowed to have their iPods there, but they had them hid. This is before we had the iPhones. They had their stuff hid. Pastor, they went and got their iPods that had music that they should not have been listening to, that their parents didn't know about, and they had snuck it into youth camp, and they got convicted under the power of the Holy Ghost, and they went and got their iPods and threw them in the fire. Isn't that awesome? Man, they were telling me about this. I'm shouting. And it was all fine until their parents came to pick them up. Because guess who was upset? Mom and dad. They were more upset with losing that iPod than they were with their kids listening to stuff that they ought not be. See, what we have done is we've come in and we've ignored the problem. We've come in and we've said the school system is going to give our computers, kids computers It's going to cause us problems. We've got internet everywhere we go. We can't stop it. Every kid that knows how to bat his eyes needs to have a cell phone. So there's no way to protect our kids anymore. That is a lie from the pits of hell. We can be a generation that rises up and we teach accountability. We cause our children to be accountable. We as adults can be accountable one to another. Pastor to pastors and, and, and have mentors and fathers in our lives that speak into our lives. There is away we just got to want it more than we want the things of this world and we can't bat a blinded eye to it and he said i've got this is my problem you are not speaking the language of god's people you are speaking the language of the world it amazes me how we know more about our football scores than we know anything about what goes going on in god's house i couldn't tell you when prayer main takes place but i know who's playing this weekend trying to be legalistic i'm not i'm just i love football i love to have fun I'm, I'm i'm not legalistic i'm just telling you this is what they did they taught their children this is what is important it did amazing how uh, i have seen young people who the power of god would be moving on in youth group and their service would go past the adult service and the children will be in the altar with their hands raised and the power of god touching them and mom or dad will come in, touch them on the shoulder and say, Junior, it's time to go home. You have school in the morning. But they wouldn't walk out onto a football field if they were in double overtime. They wouldn't do that and say, Junior, you got school? No, no, no. Whatever it takes, we got to finish the game, right? See, we need to speak the language of God. Bondage, that's what they speak. They spoke bondage. That's all they knew. Instead of having freedom and love and joy and peace in the Holy Ghost, they understood bondage. And so their children began to speak the language of bondage. I preached so many youth camps, more youth camps, I I could even remember. One year in particular, I'll never forget there was, while we are preaching, man, we get those kids out in the middle of nowhere, we get them away from the technology, we get them away from the media, we get them away from the music and the radio and everything. And man, they just go through withdrawal. Man, by by the second service, they're shouting. Man, they're on fire by night too. They're on fire. I remember night one, the power of God was so... We would have to prime all week. Night one, the power of God was there. There was a little girl that came with my youth group. She wasn't one of my kids, but I knew her. She came with our youth youth group. She was sitting in the middle of the the group. And during the altar service, during the preaching service, she got up and she ran to the altar. And she did a knee slide. She started sliding when she broke the chairs and slid all the way to the altar, hands in the air, crying out to God, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. Power, it started something. Kids started running to the altars just to get saved. Church kids, come on, people. church kids. She's up there, all of a sudden, she starts manifesting not manifesting in the glory of God, manifested in the glory of God, but a demonic manifestation. She hit the ground, slithered like a snake. Somebody said, What did you do? Well, we stood and we counseled it. Tell me how you feel. And that's the problem with the church today. We want to counsel everything. How do we get our marriage right? We get counseling. How do we get our kids right? No, we need to start casting devils out, not counseling them. I won't spend a lot of time on that, but it's it's what we've got to do. We laid hands on that little girl. She got free by the power of the Holy Spirit. After service, she walks up to me, and she says to me, she said, Pastor Biddy, I didn't want anybody to know this. And she said, I brought this with me. And she pulls out two razor blades, and she's been cutting and she's been cutting in places where nobody knew that she was cutting. Now, we think in the church, we think this is new. We think this is something that this is a fad that's going on. No, this is real. It has been going on for a long time. It can go all the way back. We know it goes back before, but the Bible chronicles it with the man from the Gadarenes. The Bible says that he dwelt amongst the dead and he cut himself. Was, uh, with, uh, uh, this is the church kids. Church kids. This isn't, we expect this from the world, right? These were church kids. I was, uh, walked into McDonald's one day to get a cup of coffee. And there was a girl, the girl that handed me the coffee. It, from her wrist to her shirt, where her shirt sleeve was, if there was a place that was uncut, I couldn't see it. We had a crusade over in Crawfordsville, Indiana. We didn't have a church to go to. I had several churches I used to go to years ago. But, Pastor, there wasn't anybody I was in fellowship anymore, so we rented a hall. And we went, and we had a lady there doing the groundwork, and we had a revival crusade there for one night. We had like 50 people show up. We had eight people get filled with the Holy Ghost. We had, I don't know how many people gave their heart to Jesus. People gave their heart to Jesus. They were healed by the power of the Holy Ghost. This one young lady who got healed, she comes up to me after the service. She has got fresh gouges in her skin that are, they look like they're a half inch wide. And I said, why do you do this? That's what she says to me. She says, it's the only way I can relieve the pain. It's the only way. This is the church. And the Bible says, we are more interested in the ways of the world than we are the language of praise. Bondage. This this preacher knows bondage. I come from bondage. My wife and I will celebrate 24 years of marriage this, this next coming. We've been married 23 years as of uh, February of this year. In my family, there is nobody that's been married 23 years. The longest person to have been married was my mom. She was married to her first husband for 14 years. And then my brother was married to his first wife for 14 years. My family is riddled with divorce. Riddled with it. It's also riddled with infirmity. I'll be 44 this year. I'm 43 years old. I'm not on any kind of medicine. I've never had any kind of major surgery. I'm healthy. I'm healthy all the time. I don't go to the doctor unless, I mean, somebody makes me to go. I'm, they're going to drag me in there, and they're going to, they're going to, they're going to wish I hadn't come in. <laughs> it's just how it is. Not that, nothing against them, but they'll tell you they're practicing, and that's okay. I'm going to go to the Lord. We need doctors. Doctors are blessed in the kingdom of God. I understand that. But what I'm telling you is, we put way more faith in the system than we do in God. I'm going to God first. Come on, somebody! My family is riddled with sickness. I lost my my oldest brother died at 52. My my oldest sister died at 59. There are three of us left: me, my brother, and my sister, uh, my my other sister. There were five of us. My other sister. I'm gonna be honest. If something, if parting a miracle from God, she's on her way out. and She's not 58. Our family has been riddled with sickness. The enemy would come in. My my mother riddled with sickness. The enemy would come in and lie to me and say, "That's you. That's your life." Would well, tell me for years, "This is what you could expect." I didn't have. A, I never knew grandparents. I never had grandparents in my life. That that my granny Baker, she was in her seventies. My my father passed away in his seventies. She was in her seventies when I knew her. But I really didn't have any kind of relationship with her. So there were there weren't people in my life that I looked up to. So I just came to came to accept early in my life that uh, there was just a certain age you got to, and that's just how it was. And I realized that was a lie from the pits of hell. It's bondage. It's bondage. See, what we tolerate, what we put up with, that's what we've got to live with. And this is the other thing. What this generation does in moderation, the next generation will take to excess. Have a high standard. Tell your kids every day, God, I'm blessed. I'm blessed going in, coming out, rising up, lying down. I'm blessed in my body. I am blessed in my pocketbook. I'm blessed in the ministry. I'm blessed in church. My kids love ministry because even though we had some hard times, they didn't see the dark side of ministry. Because we it's not that we kept anything from them. It's just that we chose to highlight The good good stuff. stuff. The other stuff we gave to God and we let it go. I love every time Pastor would mention forgiveness, there were people that would come before my mind and I would say, God, if I've held anything against them, God, I forgive them. And Lord, I don't want there to be anything between me and them because I sure don't want there to be anything between me and you. And we've lived a life where we forgave others. And even ourselves, when my kids messed up, I didn't hold grudges. We did not talk to them. We loved them. We corrected them. And we walked them through that. And we have learned that we don't have to live in bondage but we can speak the language of praise and when something would go on in our bodies we could say god i don't understand this but i praise you anyway when something would go on in our family we could say god i don't understand this but i praise you anyway and we would speak the language of praise no matter what back uh 2016 i get a phone call in the middle of the night and uh, it's a family member on the other side. I, I'm not going to tell you the details of the phone call because uh, it was just, it, I'm just, I just don't talk about it. But it was one of those phone calls you don't want to night. And I get a, the person on the other side, I'm, I'm not awake. And I bet if I asked them five times, can you repeat that? Five times, repeat that to me. Again. I, it, I just wasn't computing. By the time I get together and I'm computing what it is sitting up on the side of bed I'm upset you know I'll be honest I really didn't know what to do I was I was weeping my wife has woke up now and she's asking me what's going on what's wrong and I don't want to say anything because I don't want to speak negative things I'm, I'm watching my words I'm being very careful what I say but I, I let her know what's going on my daughter wakes up my wife's crying my daughter comes in and says what's going on she now knows from my conversation what's going on she's weeping I spend the next couple of hours on on my phone trying to work out this, this this situation in the middle of the night, and it's all I can do, Pastor, to keep myself together. And after I hang up the phone, it's three o'clock in the morning. I'm tired. I'm weary. My heart is broken, and I, I don't know what to do. I sit there on the side of my bed. My wife is beside me. My daughter's beside me. They're both weeping, but we've not said anything. We've not accepted it. We've not said, okay, this is just how it's going to be. This is how it is. None of those things. I sat on the side of the bed. And I lifted my hands to God. And I said, God, I don't understand this, but I trust you. I don't understand it. I don't know why I'm going through this right now, but I trust you. And I gave God the best praise I knew how to give it. Can I tell you, within 24 hours, God turned the whole situation around because I chose to praise Him. Listen, I've tried it. I've thrown fits. I have. I've yelled and thrown stuff and and hollered and danced and screamed at God, it don't work. God does not respond to that, but He does respond to your faith. We, uh. last summer, I needed to hear from God about some things. And just—I'll be honest—we were—we we've, we've been evangelized. I've been evangelized my, my whole adult life. The full-time evangelist. We started with ground zero. We started with a bank account that had no money, and then we had bills. <laughs> and we, we say all the time we have a miracle every week. That's an absolute truth. It doesn't matter how it works out. We um uh, we are gone. You know uh, about. Three months average out of the, the month. A lot of times now we're busy with four. I told people, I said, this is what the Lord's told me to do. And they said, no, it's, it's just tough out there. I said, yeah, but this is what God's told me. This isn't a good idea. This is what God's put in my heart and my spirit. And if it's God's will, it's God's bill, right? And so here I am. I'm trusting God. I'm just, I'm believing the Lord. God speaks to us and, and puts us out there on that, that evangelistic field and we're just trusting God for everything know uh we don't have i i heard i heard preach preachers say i've got a year's worth of meetings booked up man i don't wouldn't even know how to operate in that realm because that's never been the case with us but we have always evangelized and pastored so if i was if i was out of town i averaged once a month being out of town i still was pastoring a church i had i had a, we had a parsonage, we had a salary we had uh our church took really good care of us they honored me on my birthday and my wife on hers and Christmas and, and they took care of us. And not that the church was my source, it's just a lifestyle I have been a part of for over 20 years. And so when God spoke this to my heart, we left that life behind. And so last spring we were just kind of going through a tough time. We needed God to move for us financially. Have you ever been there? You needed God to move financially. I'm standing the pastor, and, and I've told the Lord, you know. I had a conversation with God before we ever did this. And I said, God, I said, this is our arrangement. Lord, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to preach your gospel. No matter what, I have driven one weekend. I drove across the country for one Sunday morning. One Sunday morning. We drove all the way across the country for one Sunday morning. And when I get there, you know, we... Uh, we, uh, we spent the night with some people that we knew in the area. There was no expense in the meeting just, just to, to give us a love offering. the pastor said, well, I didn't know you were driving here just for the meeting. And I said, brother, I didn't. I'm here side. It was what God's told me to do. I said, I don't know how to live any other way. <clears throat> and so uh, so here we are. I'm believing God. I, 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 I go before the Lord. This is like 3 o'clock in the morning. I said, God. I need you to move in my life. I need you to move in these areas. Now, I don't spend a lot of time telling God my needs. I really don't, because the Bible says all my needs are going to be taken care of according to His riches and glories. Right? So, a lot of times we're talking about what we're doing next. We're talking about the next crusade. We're trying to we're trying to find a building to rent for um, uh, uh, an evangel, evangelistic crusade up in uh, Salem Springs, Oklahoma. It's just it's about an hour and a half from us. Cheapest building we can find is five hundred dollars a month. The cheapest thing we can find anywhere so we're just really praying and that's what i spend my time praying and asking god to do god bro, we're thanking you for helping us do this we're thanking you for sending us to the nations we thank you we have a missionary that we support every month that we send money to we have evangelists that we support we send money to the nations I and mean, i'm thinking god i'm we, i'm just thanking him so here i am and i'm saying god we really have a need we really need you to move the lord speaks to me and i'm i don't pray that way okay Lord speaks to me and says, All right, maker if you'll praise me, I'll move on your behalf. That sounds silly. Though some people say, Well, what do you mean if you praise him? I praise him every day. I spend most of my day just telling God, God, I thank you. Thank you for how good you are to me. I don't deserve these wife, this wife and these kids, but God, I thank you. I don't deserve this home. And and people say, Well, yes you do, the blood of Jesus made No no, you don't understand. I don't deserve it. What I deserved was the cross. What I deserved was hell, but Jesus took my place, and I remember that every day of my life. And the Lord said, if you'll praise me, and I said, all right, God, I'll praise you. So after the house cleared out, I got up, and I shut my bedroom door, and there's a Thai tribute song that is just in my spirit right now. It's, I have no other choice but to praise you. So I turned that on, and I listened to it over and over again. I've just got to repeat, and I'm just kind of walking around the bedroom, and I'm just praising God, and the Lord said, no, 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 no. I said, if you'll praise me. If you'll praise me. I said, Lord, what do you mean? He says, I mean, I want you to leave everything.
1: Everything
0: in this room. And I started praising God. Our bedroom, our, we have a master bedroom that's really, it's, it's, it's pretty big. And there's enough room to get a good run around the room. So I ran from one window around the bed to the other. I got up and I jumped on the bed. I did, I, I'd like to tell you, I did cartwheels, but that's a sight nobody wants to see. But I jumped, I shouted, I kicked the walls, I pounded on the walls, I Not mad or in anger, just making whatever noise I could make just so I could praise God. So I could stand and say, God, even though I have a need, I praise you in spite of what I need right now. And I praise God and I shouted and I screamed and I yelled until I was wore out. I don't know, it was a couple hours of this, hour and a half of this. And I am on the floor and I am exhausted and I I feel, you know, I feel just spent. So I'm going to go wash my face off. And I'm gonna go the coffee, uh, go to the kitchen pastor and get a cup of coffee and get rejuvenated and go back to it again. So I get up and I'm walking down the hall. And all of a sudden, I did not know my daughter was home that day. And I walk down the hall and she opens the door and peeps out the door. And she looks at me and says, Dad, what just happened? And I laughed. I said, Baby, I'm just waiting on my breakthrough. And she says, "Okay." And she shuts the door back. That's 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 great. I mean, that you, you think you gotta understand the world we live in, but uh, that's that's what that's how that played out. So about a week later, a week later, I come in the house and I meet this one walking down the hallway, and he is sweaty and he is tired. You know, I'm like he's been in the gym or something. And and he he comes in and and it goes into the bathroom, and Reagan peeps out the window, out, out her door cracks the door, and she said, Dad, whatever you were doing in there last week, Benjamin's in there doing this week. <laughs> he comes out of the bathroom. I said, son, what's going on? And he's like, I'm just praising my way through, Dad, and gives me a big old fist pump. God, blow that up. You, know, you don't want to hurt nobody Stop just praising God, Dad. Listen, I want you to know there's something that a praise will do for you. It'll change everything. It'll change the way you view your kids, the way you view your mom, your dad, your family. It'll pray. It'll change the way you pray. view everything around you. Your relationship with God will completely be different when you begin to view it through eyes of praise. All right, real quick. Um, the next language that they spoke was Ammon. Ammon. And their God was, was Moloch. And it was known for human sacrifice. Now, Ammon, it was started by an incestuous relationship by Lot's children. This is a place of, of, a, of, a, of, a, of an unclean spirit. And here in the church world today, once again, we think the way to deal with these things, to deal with promiscuous behavior, to deal with, with these types of relationships is let's counsel it out. No, we need to cast it out. We need to spend time in prayer. We need to spend time in the presence of God. We need to pray on the behalf of our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. And we need to repent of those things that have happened in our lives up to this point. Listen, our family has been riddled with perversion riddled with every, I I don't talk about it I don't I don't share it in my testimony And, and it's not that it's not that I'm afraid to it's just I don't give it any light in my life but our family has been riddled with it over and over again but it stops in my family now it's. it's I, I love them, I, 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 I'm sorry these things happen, but it, it is a line that I've drawn in the sand and say I'm not going to be held held in bondage to these things anymore. My generation, it stops. And God, I'm going to praise you no matter what. And lastly, they spoke the language of Moab. Now Moab was constantly at war with Judah. Have you ever felt like you just could not praise God? Just no matter how hard you try, you could not get a praise out. Friend, I want you to know, don't let Moab be at war with your praise. Don't let anything tell you, well, it's silly. It's silly to run. It's silly to jump. It's silly to shout. No, what's silly is for us to let ourselves to be so so held into bondage by religion and tradition but if we will just praise Him. How many times I've been walking down the road and I just felt like God said, just lift your hands and praise me. I'm walking down the road like this. Just praising God. You know, people, I don't care if they know what I'm doing or not. It doesn't matter to me. I just want to praise God. Man, I pray that y'all go to Walmart and you get stuck between the cream corn and the lima beans. And you just have to praise God. I mean, you just get a hold of the card and, and you just start speaking in tongues and the glory just hits you. Come on, somebody. I, I hope that happens to you. Uh, you, you believe so too. Listen, real quick, Moab, they worshiped a God. And I don't know how to, know how to pronounce this name. Pastor, maybe you do. C-H-E-M-O-S-H, Kemosh. He is a half man, half fish. Now, I want you to understand the importance of this, this next statement. It is suggested that this is a root of Darwinism. Think about that. So tell me, so, so we think, well, you know, it would have been dealt with way back then that, uh, that, that it was suggested that a man just decided one day to walk out of the water as half man, half fish used to be in a fish. And we think, well, that would just die off because that's silly. And yet we have every idea will be entertained in a secular university when it comes to any kind of creation until you mention God. It's ridiculous. This is why it's so important that we teach our children the language of praise. This is why we teach our children the language of God. This is why it's so important. Benjamin will tell you, uh, when he was a kid, every day we prayed and read our Bible. Every day. Every day. There wasn't a meal that, and you know, some people say, that's just so religious and so traditional. No, I was imparting to my kids. Every way I knew how, to the best of this man's ability, the importance of a daily relationship with God. That it was important you interjected him into your meal. You interjected him into your day. You interject I'll never forget, I'm closing with the statement, I'll never forget one day my daughter came in from school and she looked at me and our kids were in, we homeschooled our kids until sixth grade. Iowa made it very difficult for us to homeschool our kids after sixth grade. I mean, it just became a fight. I mean, they started charging us, and I mean, it was just—it was just crazy. But so we prayed, and we actually had a piece about sending our kids into into a, a public school, and because they didn't really want to deal with me, <laughs> you know, because when something come up, it didn't get by us. We actually read the emails. We actually went down to the PTA meetings. We were involved in what was going on, and if something was contrary to our beliefs, we let them know. it. My daughter comes in one day, and I said, baby, I said, what did you get on that test? And she said, daddy, I got an A on that test. I said, baby, I am so excited. Baby. That was the end of it. I didn't ask her another thing about it. That night, I was walking down the hall, and I heard, I heard her crying in her bedroom. And I went in there, and I, said, and I said, baby, what's going on? And she said, daddy, I, I need to tell you something. I said, baby, what's going on? said you did when did you lie to me and I, I wasn't mad I mean here she is she's telling me she's, I mean there's nothing more honest than this right now. she said I said when did you lie to me she said when I told you I got an a on that test I failed that test daddy I am so sorry God, I lied to you, about you and I talked with her and I told her I said baby I said daddy forgives you I love you so much there's nothing that you can do that will ever change that and I got and I talked to her and I loved on her and I went to leave and she grabbed me as I was getting out and she said, Daddy, I really appreciate you telling me all that, but you're not who i want to be. And she, she said, sit back down, and she looked at me, and she said, I don't want there to be anything between me and Jesus. And so as upset as I was about her lying to me, and she said that to me, of course, I talked with her, I prayed with her, and we were together. And I'm not saying we did anything magical as parents. I'm telling you the importance. And we teach our children. The Bible tells us well, train up a child in the way that they should go. When they grow, they won't depart. That's very important. It is a training process. A boxer doesn't go in and work out. They train. We have to train. We have to confront issues. We have to stand in the gap. We can't, we can't be afraid to go down to the school and talk to them. We can't be afraid to go down to a friend's house. Don't be afraid to look at that cell phone. Don't be afraid to question them about where they've been or what's going on. How many times have we heard stories that parents would have just asked the right questions? So today, this is my challenge to you. The Bible says to continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. Continually. That means no matter what's going on, you know how your day will change when you go into your uh, go into your workplace, praising God? How your day will change you know a lot of times I know it's not like that here at the river, but when you walk through those doors, if you are already to praise God when you walk through the doors, how would that change everything? How will that change your service? How will that change the people you come in connection with? When you do something for the Lord, it's not I have to, but I get to. I don't have to be there early for prayer. I get to. I don't have to teach a class. I get to. I don't have to. I get to. How much How much? an attitude of praise changes absolutely everything. I have determined every day of my life I'm going to walk in praise. I thank God for blessing me. I'm just so caught up in all the blessings that God has given me. I thank him all the time. The other day I woke up in the middle of the night. I thought my wife stirred. I sat up in the bed and said, God, I thank you for my blessing laid my head on my pillow, and went back to sleep. My wife comes to me in the morning and says, what were you doing last night? And I said, I don't know. She said, you sat up in the bed and was thanking God for the blessing. And I started laughing. I said, I am just praising God every opportunity I get, even in my sleep, stand to your feet with me.